This show is an ultimate podcast group production. Hey, this is Live Better with Natasha with me, Natasha Hamilton. This podcast is all about exploring your mental, physical and spiritual wellness. Live Better with Natasha is for anyone who is looking to broaden their horizons with their wellness, who want to heal, they want to grow, and they want to feel on top of the freaking world. Hello and welcome to this edition of Live Better with Natasha. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hang on a second. That doesn't sound like Natasha. That voice is a little bit too deep. That voice is not quite northwestern enough. He sounds like a southerner and he also sounds like a man. Therefore, by default, he is definitely not Natasha. And my friends, you would be correct. This is not Natasha, but this is producer James. I'm the guy who produces all of the episodes for Live Better with Natasha. And today on the show, we decided we're going to do something a little bit different for you guys to kick off the brand new year. Instead of Natasha bringing you her wisdom, her insights and her special guests, I'm actually going to play you an episode of a podcast that she appeared on. And the reason why I'm doing the introduction is because the episode of somebody else's podcast that she appeared on is actually mine. So I've got a top 50 business show called Building the Brand. And I brought Natasha on to talk about how she built her brand during the days of pop stardom, how she's recreated herself in the days after being part of one of the most famous bands on the planet, and how she's now raising her own profile so that she could spin the awareness and the interest that she's got into the various organizations, companies and brands that she is working with as well. This is a side of Natasha that you've maybe not heard about before on the podcast. We delve a lot into sort of the psychology of the brand that she's been building and obviously some of the journey that she's been on as well. So I hope you enjoy this first episode of Live Better with Natasha. Normal service shall resume as of next week, but we thought what a nice way to kick off the new year with something a little bit different. So this is Natasha appearing on my podcast, Building the Brand. Hope you enjoy. Building the Brand is an ultimate podcast group production. gentlemen boys and girls from around the world 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 i really should invest in an echo machine at this point world world welcome to building the brand that's right i'm very excited and today on the show i've got someone who is so exciting to me that i'm good doing the x-factor voice i can't believe she's here she's an international singer a mum of four an entrepreneur a business owner and a thoroughly nice lady but before i tell you who it is let me tell you that i've had the privilege of getting to know this um this young lady or this woman this what oh, i don't know how, how to sort of um <laughs> correctly identify her um, it's natasha hamilton first of all we've got to we've got to work with each other over the last couple of months because we've been working on live better with natasha which has been her itunes top 20 that's right give me a round of applause. health and fitness podcast which is very exciting uh, and today on the show i'm going to bring to you a person who has sold 10 million records across a 20-year career in the media spotlight Natasha Hamilton, welcome to the podcast. Because you're a singer, I thought I'd sing you an intro. How are you today, my friend? Wow. I just feel like yeah, I'm I mean, wow. Like, that, that <laughs> is an intro. That is, that's the, I mean, that's one way to do it. People would say that's the way you don't do it, but I'm, I'm sticking with it. I decided, <laughs> go big or go home. I'm already at home, like we all are for the last nine months. So I decided I'll just go big instead. I love uh, it. But thank you for being here. Listen. You've got uh, a list of accolades as long as your arm, right? You are a mum of four, an entrepreneur, a business owner. You are the owner of a, a small barking dog, it would appear. Um, 
<laughs> international singer, sold 10 million records. When people come up to you these days, and let's say they don't know you, um, say they met you in a, a bar or you're at a dinner party, you're, you're, you know, like out with mutual friends. Someone says, oh, hey, Natasha, nice to meet you. What is it you do? What, what's your response when you do all this stuff? I say, what don't I do? <laughs> oh, good, good answer, to be fair. Good answer. Um, I just say, well, my background is in music. I was in the entertainment industry, the, the music industry, um, for 20 years, 20 odd years. Um, I'm now a wellness entrepreneur and trying to help people figure out how they can better balance their wellness. Um, I'm a bit of a connector. Uh, you can tell I haven't really got like a, a spiel, you know, that you're supposed to have that you know your 20 second elevator pitch yeah i kind of do have one but as soon as i say it i go god that's boring oh go on tell us it well that's it it's it's like hi my name's natasha hamilton i'm an international singer i'm a wellness entrepreneur i'm a speaker i'm a podcaster and most importantly i'm a mom to my four beautiful children Right, which part of that was boring? Because how many people have you ever met at a networking type thing who get to go, I'm an international singer? Like you're you're in a very small minority of people who get to to say that unless these people are willing to lie. So you do all this stuff you have done so much previously. Tell, tell us a little bit for those of those who are tuning in who may not know, because I've got lots of international listeners now. And I don't say that from an ego standpoint. I'm just really surprised. Um, <laughs> 53 countries worth of people are listening. 400 people a day listening in India to this show right now. It's so bizarre. It blows my mind. It's so exciting. But yeah, if people haven't heard of you previously up until this point, and they're like, oh, yeah, I know her, the megastar podcaster. What else did you do before becoming a pod star? So at the tender age of 16, I signed a 1.5 million record deal with Virgin Records, and that was as part of the girl band Atomic Kitten. And we had incredible global success. Like it was, it was almost like that rags to riches story we were just these three normal girls from two from Liverpool one from Manchester um just doing our thing living the dream being crazy teenage girls and I think that's what people loved we were a bit rough around the edges we weren't like we weren't from the x factor era we didn't have full hair and makeup and like um we had a bit of styling but like we were doing our own, we were we were doing our own hair and makeup from the early stages. And to be honest, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I look at old pictures and I'm like, wow, someone, <laughs> someone give that girl a blending brush. <laughs> Jesus, she went hard on the lip liner, oh, circa yeah, mid noughties, didn't yeah. didn't they all though? We we I was about to say didn't we all? But I definitely didn't. Uh, I didn't partake in the lip liner. But I, I knew a few ladies who did. Yeah, where you'd like do your lips dead dead like pale but then have this dead dark lip liner it's like that was a thing but um, it was a thing wasn't it yeah so we we kind of we we had the most incredible five years as a band success success wise but throughout that five years I hit a lot of challenges because I became a mum and it just all got a little bit difficult (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I know a bit. I know quite a bit about your backstory now, having produced sort of lots of episodes of the very successful Live Better with Natasha. I'm going to keep referring to it because I want people to go over there and listen to the show because I think it's a a real, honest, genuine insight as to the other side of success and fame and finances and all the rest of it. Because you could look at you know what you achieved in such a short period of time. You know, sixteen year old kid 
£1.5 million record deal with Virgin Records, you know, like I say, living the dream. But there was a very dark side to the success that, that came to to find you, didn't it? What was the, you know, the, the timeline almost, I'm really interested in. So you, you get the deal at 16. Were you put together by somebody or did you come together with the other girls and go and seek out a deal? Or how, how did the band even sort of come to fruition? So a guy called Andy McCluskey put the ga- put the band together and he was the lead vocalist of OMD, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Okay. Yeah, so he had this huge, you know, Svengali plan to create this incredible girl band with fantastic pop songs and the man can write a bloody good pop song. So mm. when I arrived at the audition that was looking for Girls With Attitude, that my mum got for me because one day I came home from performing arts college and she was like, I've got you an audition. I was like, cool. I was always auditioning. Yeah. Um, I went along. I was the first girl there. They sent all the other girls home. They put me straight into the recording booth. I was learning songs that were going to end up being on Atomic Kitten's first album. Um, yeah, they, they loved me. They loved my voice. They loved my energy. Uh, and then I had to like go off and and gel with the other two girls. That was Kerry and Liz, which was pretty daunting because they both live with each other. <laughs> yeah, ah, they, they were tight. So what... They were solid. They've been working together for a while on the project. And then little old Tash comes in like feist, feisty Scouse girl trying to change the dance routines and stuff. <laughs> So, so this guy had already put together um, Kerry and Liz at this point and then needed the third part of it. And that's what he was sort of looking for when he was putting out for auditions. Yep. So I got the job. Um, and then we were kind of, I think we were probably hanging around the recording studio six, seven months. We were doing like weekend gigs in like, like back in the day, there used to be all these mad big clubs with like loads of different rooms and different stages. And we'd go along and we'd be bouncing around in these like really tragic outfits, like platforms. And I think like I used to have like this high vis fest. I'm not even joking. That that is a look. I mean that the ninety the nineties slash early noughties lip liner combined with a high vis. Yeah. I mean that is a sight to to never be holding yeah. potentially. Flares, flares <laughs> with a skirt over the top, a high vis vest and platforms. <laughs> Strong. 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 That's, that's, how, that's how they used to break bands, though, wasn't it? You go to like what did those um, venues you used to call like jumping jacks. Jack, remember those? All that. Yeah. Oceana yeah, you're going, and all these. That's right, Oceana. Jesus Christ, this yeah. is taking me back. So we oh, used to do all those clubs. Um, and then we, we we cut our teeth that way. And then one day, Andy was like, we're taking you to London. We've hired out a rehearsal room for the day. And we've got six labels coming in to watch you perform. And I think we must have had like five or six songs, which is really, like, honestly, can you imagine a record label walks into this tiny rehearsal room and they literally just sit down. They're all mainly men with the odd woman there, older men, just sat there like with their arms crossed, like, go on then, show us what you've got. <laughs> yeah, 10, 10 foot from your face <laughs> and you have to get, give it loads like they're, like they're not there. And we had to go mental. We had to go full out. We were jumping around. We were knackered. And as soon as they'd leave, we'd just be like, well, that was weird. <laughs> Um, so such a bizarre industry, isn't it? Yeah. It's such a bizarre. Had, had you already had any elements of 
um, success by this point, or was there a few like labels sniffing around, or was there, or this Andy guy gone and sort of shopped your demos and stuff to the labels and yeah. could obviously open the doors based on his background? I think his name and his background, sending them the songs which were strong, got all these people into a room to see us, and we were like, hopefully one of them might pick us. And at the end of the day, we had six record deals on the table. I've got goosebumps talking about it because I can remember when they were just like, oh my God, like we're gonna get you're gonna sign a record deal. And we were just like, ah! Oh, it was amazing. Oh, how exciting. So so you so you do you go from the rehearsal rooms and you sign with Virgin at some point. Do you you know, is it, do you guys go off and decide on the best deal or is Andy looking after that kind of stuff for you? Or were you, did you have much involvement in that point or were you very much like passengers in your own destiny to a certain degree? Yeah, absolutely. It was like, we were supposed to go home that evening. We never went home because then they had to, there was a couple of deals that they wanted to talk about and assess the situation. And so I think we went to maybe like two or three dinners. And then after the dinner, like it was up to the the men to negotiate. So we were just like sent back to this little crappy hotel that we've been put up uh <laughs> uh facing Hyde Park. Um and yeah, like the next day it was like, Well, you're signing with Virgin Records, and they hadn't offered the most money. We were getting silly money right. thrown at us, but we well. Andy and our management at the time decided that was the best platform for us. That was going to get us where we needed to be because they already had Billy Piper at that time and she was killing it in the oh my industry. God. Yes. Because I want to. I, I've, I've got um, the, the now 90s TV channel popped on the other day for some reason, mainly because my wife left it on. And do you remember the Billy Piper song, Girlfriend? where they were like dancing around a half pike and she just thinks about being someone's girlfriend. It's the weirdest video and it's the weirdest like snapshot of a time that is probably best left forgotten about ever. It's yeah. so weird. Well, I mean, Billy was just a megastar at the time and they also had Martine McCutcheon. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And she was, she was massive, wasn't she? Yeah. You know, I'd watched her for years on EastEnders. So for me, it was like, so right. we're going to sign on this label and we're going to be label buddies with Billy and Martine. And also, not forgetting the Spice Girls were also signed to Virgin Records. And I was just like the oh biggest Spice God. Girls fan. So I was like, yes! Unbelievable. So, so you do that? You do you go and sign a I'm just intrigued because I always aspired to be a pop star myself and definitely never made it. Um did you go and like sign the deal the next day? Did you go to their offices and do like the photos for the press and all that kind of stuff? Or no. did you guys still? No. Oh, okay. So you've ruined the illusion for me there. You know, I thought it was going to be like a big night out. Branson turns up with a gigantic check. Melby turns up. You'll get partied <laughs> up and everyone has a lovely time and everyone goes home in a massive pink limo to Liverpool. Well, Is that not what happened? No, we did have to go home. And obviously, because. Um, myself and Liz were classed as minors. Everything had to be passed through our parents, so they couldn't just go ahead and sign things. So they were our guardians. So when it did come to signing our record deal, we all, all the families came to London. We sat, we sat in the office, we signed all the record deals and our parents had to sign it. Um, and then they took us out for a big, massive celebratory dinner. So it was, it was wonderful when it did happen, but there was a couple of weeks in between where we were just kind of went home. <laughs> what, what was that like? So you go, you go down to London, you know, you sign, you, you get this agreement in place and you get it all agreed and then you go home. Like what, what's your head doing for, for a fortnight during that period of time? 
Well, there was there was a buzz. People were starting to come and take pictures of us and we were like doing photo shoots. We were like jumping in the air and it's like Liverpool band signed this record deal. So there was a buzz. It, you know, it was right. it was really exciting. But I actually went on holiday um with my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> Um, to play a day in Glaze or Ingalls, however you call it, in Grand Canaria. In Tenerife? Oh, my God. Yeah, my first holiday on my own. By the way, I know that's a bit young to be going on holiday, but I used to sing in the pubs and clubs, and I'd saved up all my own money, and I was like, Mom, Dad, I'm I'm going on holiday. I've got my own money. I was sensible. So, (laughs) uh, (laughs) So here's me in play a day... I'm going to just say like Grand Canaria. Here's me in Grand Canaria with my boyfriend at the time. Literally everyone we met, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just about to sign a record deal. Yeah, I'm going I'm I'm to be, I'm in a girl band. We're called Atomic Kitten. We're going to be really famous. And everyone was like, whoa, really? And like literally everyone, because it was like in 18 to 30s. And everyone was just like, this is amazing. And I was still in Grand Canaria singing on the karaoke, winning money. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant yeah, we'll watch this space atomic kitten coming soon <laughs> oh that is absolutely brilliant so you've obviously because this is really nice actually for me to hear this side of the journey because obviously a lot of the uh you know with within the wellness space that you you're in now uh you are very big on uh sort of mindset motivation aspiration but you're also very uh determined to help people to live happier, healthier and better lives in terms of physical wellness, mental wellness and spiritual wellness. So obviously, uh, one of the the, the big things you've been sharing on your own podcast, which has been a proper joy to work on, by the way, has been sort of like the 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 less exciting side of this when you, you know, so all of this adulation that we talk about now, you you went through a really, really dark time. Um, Did you and we won't talk about it too much again, if you want to know the whole backstory, they should go to your podcast and and listen to it because you really openly and transparently opened up about how how tough things got the 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 increasing level of toughness did it was it like a gradual thing or was there a moment you were like oh my god I always wanted this dream as a kid but it's not what I thought it was going to be well with fame comes great responsibility and um up until the release of Hole Again, which was like the song that catapulted us into this stardom, up until that point, Absolute banger. Yeah, uh, classic. Um, <laughs> like up until that point, we were just kind of, you know, we were in the pop scene. We were getting top 10 hits. We were doing like the cool, like the Pepsi chart show and top the pops. And it was like fun, but it wasn't, the, the, it, it didn't feel like pressure, but the minute you're a number one pop sensation, not just in your country, like 19 countries worldwide, and then or you're not just in the UK, you're in Spain, you're in Germany, you're in Poland, you're in Sweden, you're in Japan for weeks on end, you tour in the whole of Southeast Asia, you tour in um, Australia. All of a sudden, it's like you don't, there's not nothing other than this money-making machine because people want more and more of you and you earn and people more and more money. And it was getting to a point where we didn't have days off. We didn't often sleep many hours in our own bed. Some nights we'd be traveling in a tour bus or on a plane to get to a country. And then we'd be going straight into like a recording and that would like the travel would be our sleep. So, you know, there was mass at the time, you just do it because you live in the dream and it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. But looking back as an adult, you know, there was huge issues with 
like how we will be looked after and the welfare and our physical and mental, you know, wellness. Like it wasn't being attended to the way um, the stardom part of it was being attended to. You know, yeah, gotcha. there was no balance. And do, do they do they look after people better now? Do you know? Is it is it because obviously wellness and, and sort of like mental health, for example, is, is much more prevalent across the board. Is it is it, are they being mindful of like better looking after these young kids who are going through the same thing as you, or is it still the same kind of factory of like just get them to where they need to be, drag them across the globe? They've got to do what they've got to do. You know, if you're due a lipper, have they looked after your mental health better than they did with the atomic kitten, or are they still? the same sort of practices within that industry, do you think? I, I don't know. I mean, I it's hard to tell. I know with the whole X Factor, um, like that whole scene, that whole era, I, I've met a few people that have come from it and the consensus was very much like, well, you know, when you were in it, you were very looked after and the minute you weren't needed anymore, it was like, goodbye. And mm. that in itself is traumatic, like to to all of a sudden be idolised, and then you know, sorry, one second. That's right. What are you doing? Oh, sorry. One sec. Give that a kiss. I drop him off in a bit. Yeah, cool. See you in a bit. Bye. Right, I'll do a pick up. To be idolised one minute and then either be out of the show or dropped after maybe 12 months of on a record deal because it's not quite worked out. What I've heard from people is no, there's, there, there isn't like there's there isn't that support there. You were just a commodity that was no longer needed and it's brutal. But then, you know, if you apply it to any other industry, you know, if you've worked for a company all your life and you've given it blood, sweat and tears, and 30 years into the, your career, they go, actually, we don't need you anymore. Do you get support? <laughs> you know, mm. given a bit of a hug and a, you know, are you, do people look after your, your mental wellness? No. That, that's just, it's like, this is this cycle of life that we've just all become accustomed to. It's all, it's like, oh, well, you know, suck it up, get on with it. Um I suppose the difference for, for for someone who's like in the public eye, though, is the fact you've got to go through it in the public eye. And not only do you have the, you know, if you get uh, to your point, you know, let's say someone does a, a job as a gas engineer for 30 years and they get sacked off. You know, that is traumatic, of course, to them in, in their own way. But you haven't then got like the paparazzi outside the front door going, Bob. Bob, how do you feel this morning going to the shops to get the milk? Do you feel a bit shit because you got let go from the job? Like that's that's probably the difference, isn't it? That there's that whole yeah. whilst you've got the sort of the pressure that everybody has to deal with, mm. um, you've also got the additional pressure of everybody is watching you. And obviously, we live in a different time now to to when you were sort of going through the the the, the like the mega star pop cycle, um, but it was very much like. You know, celebrity back then really was celebrity, wasn't it? You you had the world's gaze watching you. For good and for bad, I would imagine. Yeah. And when you're young as well, you know, you do silly things, you say silly things. And then the next minute, you, you know, your manager's going, what did you just say in that interview? And I'm like, I don't know. What did you say? And they're like, well, we'll tell Can't you. remember, mate, I'm drunk. Yeah. And they're like, well, we'll tell you what you said because it's been on the hour every hour on Radio One. And you're like, oh, what God. have I done? And, you know, you've given a, 
like there was a time when I lost a lot of weight because I was going through postnatal depression and I was stressed. Okay. I was stressed. My mum was touring with me. She was helping me look after my son, but the press were constantly going after the angle of I had an eating disorder. They just wouldn't let it drop. They would like, it was always how bad I looked and it was like, I'm very aware of how unhealthy I look, but I'm, I have to go to work. And if you stopped highlighting it, it would stop, you know, young kids having to read about it. Like you're highlighting something that's not fair and isn't true. And that it just got to a point where I'd flippantly made a comment saying like, they were like, so why are you so thin? You know? And I went, oh, it's because I don't eat. And that just blew up. Oh, like, God, yeah. Because I was so pissed off with this, like, like, stop questioning me. Even if that was the case, what has it got to do with you? Like, that could have been something I was battling in private, like my private business. But I didn't, you know, I wasn't going through it, but I was just annoyed. And I said that and then... Oh my God. So it was literally on every news channel. It was Natasha's the worst role model in the world. Like I should be sacked from my job. Like who on earth says things like that? And it's like, well, someone who is at the tether, who is depressed, mm. who's struggling, not thinking properly. And then, do you know what? I had to make a full public apology. I, w- I had to go and sit oh, in this God. interview with like one of the tabloids while someone took my picture of me crying because I was upset while they, you know, delved into what was going on in my life and what, what had brought me to say it at the time. And it was just so traumatic. Oh, okay, it was, I was, I was literally like a nervous wreck. Like you just don't recover quickly from those type of um, public humiliations or those public um, moments when they just they just out for you and they tear you down um, because do you ever recover from them? Um, I think it's taken me a very long time. Like now, I talk about my experiences, but for many years I wouldn't for the fear of upsetting the record label or upsetting the management or upsetting like a tabloid, and then maybe that they might go and start writing bad things about me again. And I'm like, hell no. This is my truth. Like, this is what happened to me. And I'm going to tell it. I need to tell it because how can I heal from my past if I'm, this is like my dirty secret? I'm like, no, this isn't a dirty secret. This is just a traumatic time that happened to me. And in order to move on in my life, I have to acknowledge it and speak up about it. As you are listening to this show, chances are you're either an entrepreneur who is building a business or you want to be one. Either way, if you're serious about scaling your personal or business brand and you want to create content that adds massive value, then you need to be producing audio. Yes, you need a podcast. Podcasting is exploding right now and means that you can reach a global audience, be seen as the expert in your marketplace, collaborate with world-renowned influencers, seriously accelerate the growth of your brand, turn followers, fans and listeners into paying clients and open up a world of opportunities that you can't even imagine right now. So when you're ready to add the power of podcasting for your brand and business, check out the Ultimate Podcast Group. Yes, the team that make this very podcast. We've launched 
launched 100 plus successful podcasts with 85% to 90% of the content becoming iTunes top rated shows. And with 14 years of broadcast experience, we are your dream team of professional production talent, all based in the UK, who can handle every aspect of your podcast for you. Ultimate Podcast Group, your one-stop full-service agency for all your production needs. For more information, click the link in the show notes now. Do you think that age and wisdom is is the reason why you can look at it in the way that you do now? Because obviously you're sort of looking at it through a different lens. You know, you're sitting there with that. It sounds horrific, to be fair, you know, in front of a tabloid journal, having your photo taken while you're crying. Was there that, did you have the moment you're like, do you know what? I haven't got a problem with eating, but I have, I'm deeply, deeply depressed because of postnatal depression as a 20 year old pop star. Did it, did it occur to you that that was your platform to, to share that truth? Or was it again at the time you kind of just had to put on this facade of pop sensation and you kind of, you know, do, do your own um, dark sort of healing in private? Well, um, I I was forced to speak about my postnatal depression because um, it was, inverted commas, leaked to the press. Now we know that we were being phone hacked for many years and people were intercepting our voicemail, oh, wow. you know, all the inf- personal information that was happening in our lives and putting it in a paper saying, a sort of oh. says. So we all became highly paranoid. We had no trust for anyone. We even didn't trust each other at certain points. Wow. It was like, who would know this? Like, who would know that? Like, you're the only people who know this. Um, like the inner circle. So, yeah, it was like everything was almost never on our terms because they just, they knew before we would ever want to, say it ourselves um we were always forced um so the whole postnatal depression thing came like it came to a point where it was like tash you have to say something because it was being made out like i was just this um reckless pop star who had like kind of given up on myself and didn't really want to be in the band anymore which was totally far removed from the truth yeah. Who, who made you, who sort of sat down and had that conversation with you? Was it like, management. was it management? Management. Was it right? Okay. Yeah. But to be honest, it was the best thing I ever did because it showed the human Natasha, mm. not the pop star, like just me. It, it, and the response I got back to that, like from people, not just people like women with postnatal depression, but actually their partners wrote to me, like to my management and were like, I knew something wasn't right with my wife or my partner, but I didn't know what it was. And now you've shone a light on it. And now I can help her get the treatment she needs. And, you know, you 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 hear things and you read things like that. And you're like, oh, okay. So I might, you know, I might have been forced to come out and talk about it, but it, I ended up helping a lot of people. And it probably did go a little bit of a way to my own healing as well oh i was just about to say that do you did you think that you sort of it helped you to heal by healing other people that you were kind of a catalyst for a positive shift when so much of the sort of the 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 mud that got dragged up about you was negative for for so many years i think it just made me realize that i wasn't going through this experience on my own like I used to say to myself, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going insane. I'm losing my mind. Like I genuinely thought I was going to end up in like some hospital somewhere because what was going on in my head and how I felt and the negativity and everything. And 
feeling like, why should I, why should I hate my job? Why should I hate my life? I'm in this pop band and I should love it. And I should love my baby and, you know, all these things. And it was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't love any of it right now. Like it, it was all so painful. So my mind was going, oh yeah, you're losing, you're losing it. So to, to actually come out about it, to be diagnosed with it, to hear other people, it was just like, okay, so this, this happens, like this is real life. It's not just me, it's other people as well. And it just made it easier to kind of deal with, I suppose. I suppose you well, you you must have been the, the I guess the reason and the rationale for you thinking that you were losing the plot would have been so easy because you know you're in an age bracket where your other mates, even your you know your pals from back in the day, they probably weren't having children at that age. No, no one could so no one could uh, relate to you in that sense. No one could relate to the fame sense. No one could relate to the pop star sense. And other people who were you know peers in that sort of kind of sector weren't having children or the ones who had and maybe have suffered from postnatal or prenatal depression themselves were probably older than you were as well so you kind of you had nowhere to go realistically yeah. it was it was a really frightening time and because of the era like we're talking 2002 postnatal depression didn't have the light shone on it then the way it does now like it mm. wasn't there just wasn't any evidence or any anyone coming out and talking about it or you would never read it in a magazine like, oh, 20-year-old whoever is suffering with postnatal depression. It was this stereotypical older woman um, like later on in life. So, yeah, I just didn't know what was going on with myself, but it was I just knew it was scary. How, how did you end up leaving the band then? Because I, I want to get onto like the more sort of up to date mm. kind of uh, entrepreneurial ventures that you've you've had and are, are going through right now. So, so you leave in what a couple a couple of years 2004, after two thousand and four, I think we ended. Um, it to be honest, it was messy. I'm not going to lie, it was a really messy kind of everything just come to a head and I just had enough and I was like I just don't want to do this anymore no one was listening to me I didn't feel like I was getting the help that I needed um no one was giving us any time off so I was just like right that's it I'm done I quit and it was just it was it was (laughs) it was difficult So when you quit, like, you know, I, I've had a few jobs I've quit. I've literally, like, left the door that afternoon and gone, see ya. I'm guessing in the world of, like, when you're, like, contracted up to the eyeballs, you did you have to, like, you know, have a period where you were, like, going to leave the band and they had to try and, like, find a replacement or something like that? Do you have to carry on, like, doing the work even though you've said, I'm out of here? Well, we, we had, you know, a very good press office that you can um, – manipulate the situation so no one ever said Natasha quits and no one knew what had happened it was just um Natasha is going to be a mum for a little while and the other girls are going to pursue solo careers and everyone's still very good friends (laughs) and then obviously we have to do like a farewell photo shoot and a farewell tour you know and it really wasn't that rosy Mm-mm. Oh, I can imagine, and, and and I've obviously heard you talk about this on your own podcast. But at this point, you're still only a you know a twenty year old girl, yeah. And you've got to go on this like you know stand and smile for photos with people who now hate you because you're effectively going to be taking food off their table. Oh, Every, you know the, the, the tour managers. They've been the girls didn't hate me. I just think there was a lot of frustration because 
my decision impacted on their career. And I get it. Of course. You know, and you guys were flying high at that point as well, weren't you? Yeah. We like people were just like, we're just one tour away from being millionaires. Oh, you know, it was all about the millions and the money. And I was genuine because I think because of my background, working class, it was like, well, we never had millions, but we were happy. And in my head, yeah. I don't like millions of pounds is not going to make me happy. It's not going to make me a good mum. You know, that's that's irrelevant. It was never about the money. Me being an atomic kitten was pursuing my dream. And that's the God's honest truth. Because I was I was young enough to have that passion about something. But um yeah, it just it all it did. It it was just it was a very difficult time. Oh, I can imagine. So, so, so you leave and you take some time to decompress and you go and do some other bits and pieces. What, what have you done in the interim period? Because you're, you know, multiple entrepreneur, you've got multiple businesses, raised family, raised kids. Yeah. Like you've been, you've been busy. I have. I mean, I, I was, I probably spent two years after Atomic Kitten, just being a bit of a floater. I didn't know what I wanted to do, I didn't know where I fit in. I was kind of just being a mum, but like per, like career-wise, not really doing much. You know, management were like, oh, well, why don't you get in the studio and like write some songs? And I'd do that every now and then, but it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. Um, and then I got married. Uh, I had more children. And that kind of like gave me a lot of inner peace. Uh, I went into business with my then husband. We did like coffee shops, restaurants. We even had a club at one point, which was a freaking nightmare. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always wanted to have a club when I was a kid. And I'm so glad now that I kind of grew up um, before I actually tried to bring it to fruition. That was just hell on earth. Um, so kind of did all that. And then that marriage didn't go to plan. <laughs> I mean, we're still, we're really good friends now. And the kids, you know, the kids, like, we just adore the kids. Uh, that just wasn't meant to be. And and then I had Ella, my little girl. And it was after having Ella and having a full breakdown. So, so I fell pregnant with Ella and I ended up with prenatal depression, which I'd never had before. So it's basically being depressed before the baby. I was like, oh, oh great. <laughs> Thanks universe um so that was difficult and then I ended up with postnatal depression and then I just I had a breakdown I'd lost a hell of a lot of money my work had stopped um and I just yeah I uh, I my brain snapped and that was kind of like my breakdown was literally my breakthrough because there was nothing else left it was like you're not doing music anymore you don't want to do music anymore like who are you where where are you going and I really had to dig deep and it was that was like my healing journey that began um how long so that's six so five years ago now I went back to college so at the time um, after I'd been treated, which was incredible. So I, I did like this um, 18-week intensive CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy course. And that changed my life because it totally got me out of my old mindset and into a new way of thinking. My sister was studying uh, beauty therapy at college and she was thriving. And I thought, Do you know what? I think I'd really enjoy that. Like that's right up my street. I thought it's not too intensive. 
It's, you know, it's enjoyable. It's creative, which is like what I love being. So I went back to college one day a week and I just was like, oh my God. It was like my brain was just like switched back on. I had this like excitement. I had the passion. I loved my exams. Like a lot of the girls were like, oh, the exams. I was like, yeah, the exams, because I was pushing myself. I was learning something new. And then I was doing a course after a course after a course. I was traveling around the country, you know, working with the like some of the biggest beauty brands um, on the planet. And that went from, I just went from a normal beauty therapist to a holistic therapist. And that, so that was like massage, hot stone, aromatherapy, things like that. And then I went into skin. I became a skin specialist. So I trained with the International Institute of Anti-Aging in London. That was freaking awesome because I've always been a bit of a science geek. And even in school, my two top subjects were music and chemistry. (laughs) I was like... That's a combination. I know, random. You know, when when God made me, he went, science and music, there you go. Um, So to be able to learn about the science and behind skin and products and vitamin A and how it reaches, like, you know, vitamin A is the only vitamin that can penetrate into the cell to heal it from the inside out. I was just like, oh, yes, I love this. Um, And that kind of just made me, uh, it placed me in a world of people who were career pivoting so I was hanging out on different groups you know in Facebook I was going to like speaking events or business women in business events and I started creating this new circle that we had absolutely zero to do with music but lots of people in like the wellness the beauty industry and then I'm meeting life coaches and like healers and and just all these amazing people and all of a sudden it was like I found my tribe it's like this is where I'm supposed to be this is where I feel comfortable um and then last year I started my own online like wellness business which is um through exogenous ketones so it's drinking ketones and I've built up a really big team there's probably about 120 of us around the globe I've got a massive business over in Dubai (laughs) which is like incredible and then I've moved into the wellness even more into wellness and that all came about because of COVID-19 and I've still kept my music going but my whole life didn't didn't revolve around waiting for a gig to happen. And that's where I saved myself because I created another income stream and, you know, had other hobbies other than just waiting for these gigs. Um, so when I do have a gig, I thoroughly enjoy it, but all my eggs aren't in one basket anymore, which is like life-changing. Um, so, Do you think the life-changing part of that is because you are now in control of your own destiny? Because whilst you've done stuff that other, you know, little girls and boys dream to be pop stars and mega stars and celebrities and, you know, bloody influencers. Now I'm going to be a YouTuber or whatever they want to be these days. You've, you've kind of done all that stuff, but it was all by the sounds of it, really between the lines, it was always out of your control. This, mm. it seems like now you've come into a, a period of your life and a, and a, and a system and a setup and a business opportunity that you can, like it's on you, you can control every aspect of your your destiny now. You are the captain of your soul, the master of your ship, or whatever that famous phrase is that I'm butchering. Is that is that how it that's how it appears from the outside looking in? Is that how you feel? 
Definitely. But it all stems from healing from my past and actually like loving myself. I didn't love myself. Like so much was going on inside me in the past and whatever. I just didn't, I didn't show myself much love. So once I've learned to do me first and then attend to everyone else, which as a mother is alien because as a mother, your mother brain says, do everyone else. And then that five minutes at the end of the day, grab yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're exhausted and you've just got nothing to give to yourself. And, you know, my eldest son's 18 now. I've basically spent 16 and a half years of my life serving everyone else before putting me first. And so many people I spoke to were like, you have to change that because what it's not saving you, you've got nothing left to give yourself. And Mm -hmm. it was a process of going, okay, so when I wake up, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do my meditation. I'm going to, you know, just, just put me first. And now everything's flipped. I'm, I'm, I'm a more present mum, more present friend, daughter, sister, you know, just everything's changed for me. And just get having that confidence in myself has just opened so many like doors and opportunities. Oh, that's so good to hear. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. Before we wrap up, though, you've got to tell us. Tell us about the new podcast, Live Better With Natasha. Obviously, uh, my agency, the Ultimate Podcast Group, approached you and said, hey, I really like your content. You should do a podcast. And you're like, that's so weird. I've been thinking about doing a podcast. Yeah. Let's do it. And three and a half weeks later, or four weeks later, it was an iTunes Top 20 Health and Fitness show. What's the what's the rationale behind the show? Who's it about? Who's it for? And why should people go and listen to it? This is your this is your now your 20-second elevator pitch for the podcast. Go. Okay, I just want to say that I manifested this podcast. I knew that this was going to be something that I could do to help other people. And I manifested it and you DM'd me and I was like, oh my God, this is where I'm supposed to be. But people should go and download Live Better with Natasha podcast because it will help you analyze what part of your wellness might need a little bit more care and attention and offer you advice. It will offer you help and support. So Live Better with Natasha is all about your mental, physical, spiritual, emotional well-being. We don't just attack one, one part of well-being. It's such a safe and honest space to get some you know some real truth talk and also some incredible support from the most amazing experts in their fields and honestly i've got i've got to say this is not me paying you lip service or because i've been involved in it but actually the listening experience i think it's a fantastic show your the, your willingness to go as deep as you go as raw as you go as open and honest and transparent and, and as congruent you know you've been it's fantastic and then because i think you are such an open book you enable the space for your guests to also be that so you know when you've spoken to the likes of Dame Kelly Holmes already and Matt Johnson and these transformative life coaches and healers and well-being experts and um, you know all these people I think there's a, a, a different level of depth of content that you get with that show that you you very rarely hear on a podcast frankly because everyone is so willing to really really be themselves because you are in the first instance. So if you are listening to this show, Building the Brand, go and click the link in the show notes now. Download the latest edition of Live Better with Natasha. Um, Natasha, where else can people find you if they want to connect with you and your and find out what you're doing day to day? Okay, so you can come and follow me on Instagram. That is at Natasha Hamilton or Live Better with Natasha. And you can come and join my free um, Facebook group as well, which is Live Better with Natasha. 
and I'll put links in the show notes to all of those places as well. Natasha Hamilton, it's a genuine joy to get to work alongside you. And honestly, I've really enjoyed um, getting to know you more. I consider you, um, I'd say we're getting to become firm pals and I look forward to when COVID-19 is over and we can go and have a beer or a, or whatever, have an exogenous ketone and run around a park or something. Um, that'd be nice. No, we'll have an alcoholic yeah. one, please. <laughs> okay, cool. Good. Nice one. All right, Natasha, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Guys, if you enjoy listening to the show, go and click the links in the show notes now. Go and download Live Better with Natasha and follow all the cool stuff that Natasha is doing. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Better with Natasha. If you have enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcasts. It helps us more than you can imagine to reach more people and share important lessons and conversations about mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. You can also connect with Natasha and become part of the Live Better movement right now by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're serious about scaling your personal or business brand, then you need to be producing audio. Yes, you need a podcast. Podcasting is exploding right now and means that you can reach a global audience, be seen as the expert in your marketplace, collaborate with world-renowned influencers, turn followers, fans, and listeners into paying clients, and open up a world of opportunities. So when you're ready to add the power of podcasting for your brand and business, check out the Ultimate Podcast Group, the team that make this this very podcast, Ultimate Podcast Group, your one-stop full-service agency for all your production needs. For more information, click the link in the show notes now.